oof, like this 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 weight this relief this 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 release of mm. of sorts um and great art does that and that that release i think is that remembrance of that oh i'm not alone and i know that i'm not alone cuz this person just said something that was in the the deepest depths of my soul that that i know i'm not alone i know that i'm connected i know that someone else is out there at least one other person is out there <laughs> who feels something as 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 powerfully as i do this is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Hey everybody, welcome back to Way of the Artist. Or if this is your first time, then just welcome. No welcome back. Hopefully you're a welcome back in the future. Uh, so we don't have a title as uh, at the very moment for this particular podcast. We, we've got a little bit of, we're just kind of diving into something. We're having a chat. We thought, you know what, let's just, let's just get into it. So as much of a setup as I can give for the, the territory that we're navigating, as far as I understand, who knows by the end of this thing. Um, but Brandon and I were having this conversation about what we think is a fairly a fairly universal um, feeling that as human beings most of us have if if it's not something that we um, encounter quite a bit in our lives it's something that probably all of us have felt at certain points in our life and that is this feeling of being alone and you know it can be a very it can be a very powerful persuasive feeling uh that we have and you know and and it can create all kinds of challenges and issues it it can shape the way in which we are looking at the world um, and usually not for the better. <laughs> that's, that's what t- that's, see, tends to be the way that that one, that one goes. And, uh, and we're also talking a little bit about how art in some ways is, is a kind of remedy to that, that whole thing. So I'm going to leave it there as far as my my opening remarks so um brandon what do you have to 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 begin this conversation with hmm well uh, uh i mean i think there's a part of a part of our journey as people where it's important to to experience aloneness and i think that that can be necessary to some degree in your personal growth and and development and your journey. And I do think that there is a, there, there is a certain amount of it's important for you to be alone because you need to, at some point realize that 
a lot of what you're experiencing and who you think you are and how you think things work, it all comes from within you. And I think being alone helps you to recognize that like you're creating a lot of what you think's going on here and your perceptions of things and your take on things. It's, it's a very important part of you as an artist and that's very relevant. So to some degree to take ownership of how you're connecting and interacting, you need to be alone with yourself so you can see that these things are things that you've either decided upon or taken on or something like they've, they've, you know, and they've become a part of you. And maybe there's certain things where you want to root them out, like their patterns, maybe you learn them from parents or teachers or coaches or whoever else about how things work. And so maybe by being alone, you start to realize, well, you know what, I don't know if I agree with that actually anymore. I don't know if that's actually how I see it. And that alone time can help you at the same time. I don't think you want to be alone indefinitely. I think that is a, it's a bridge back to connection. And I think there comes a point where being alone does become a kind of negative self-indulgent problematic approach to doing life. And something I've kind of come to the realization, I think which spurred on a lot of this conversation for me in particular was this idea that I'm not alone as, as much as I think I am. And, and you're not alone as much as you think you are, anybody out there. Because whether people know you or not, they're contributing to your journey by creating spaces, creating opportunities, facilitating events, um, building things. Um, even, even if you watch someone's movie they made or listen to someone's song they wrote, like that somehow is contributing to your journey. Now, they don't know that they're doing that necessarily, but you start to see, oh, wait, uh, like what I'm realizing now, I start to see, I should say, is that I'm actually much more connected to the tribe, to the community than I even, even realized. And, and that is interesting because it also brought me to the point that the tribe is more connected to me than I realized. And I'm having an influence and an impact out there on other people's lives and uh, my sometimes feeling alone is a little bit self-indulgent and 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 quite inaccurate. So although I do think it's important to not just be distracted by people and using that to get away from yourself, I do think there's a time to go and be with yourself. I think at some point the, the aim ultimately is to come back, but come back anew. And so there's something about this aloneness where it's like, it's it's a stage and it's a bridge and it's 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 necessary but not indefinite you know and i think when you said it's like i don't know if you use this word like problematic or or negative or something along those lines that's how i interpret it but like i think it becomes problematic or negative when you won't leave that stage when you just are indefinitely on the bridge between connections so like I was connected to society and people and group and whatever it might be. And then I started crossing this bridge to aloneness. And then now you could go back and connect, but connect anew, but you refuse to get off the bridge because somehow there's some type of comfort in the aloneness and some justification, some story. So 
Yeah, that's something I've just found for myself that I'm kind of working out. And I thought that would be interesting because I feel like it relates to life and art and everything we talk about. You said it right at the end is what I was thinking. Oh, my apologies, people. Um, just sort of rate what you were saying at, at towards the end there is like, yeah, I, I think that part of the issue is when it becomes this story, like, oh, I'm alone, right? Like it, it you know, and I think that, look, it's not like, oh, I, I shouldn't feel that way or whatever. You know, sometimes we, we do, we feel that way, but I think it's when we stay stuck and when we continue telling ourselves that story it can become is is when it becomes problematic and and i do think that there are some important distinctions to make in in all this thing in all of this but like that sort of this idea of you're alone and that you're always alone um is is just an untrue statement i think that's just an untrue statement for um a couple well one main reason and this is one of those weird little um duality uh things that you know those duality yin yang types of things that that crops up when you when you take a look at it which is that your sense of self is only there in its relation to other self and other are inextricably linked the only reason why you have any sense of yourself as as even being an alone per a human being is in relation to other people if there were if there was no other if there were no other people or even if there were no other organisms objects in the world even you wouldn't have there would be nothing to have any sense of yourself towards if that makes sense i hope i explained that all right um so there's this always this connection between self and other um and very much in the way that we even discover the people we are is through meeting other people right having interactions with other people it's like oh this person's kind of like that i'm not really like that i have these different sort of sensibilities i have these different sort of gifts i have and and we know that through each other we come to know that through each other and we can come to appreciate that um, in ourselves and in each other through through having value in that, um, recognizing the value in that, um, which is a little bit, I, I don't want to wander down that one too far for the time being, but one other thing that you were talking about there that I think is might be a valuable distinction to make here is that, because I agree with you in that there is value in being alone, but to me, I... I think of that more so as solitude. There are moments in which it is important for us to have solitude, to even to, to seek solitude, to seek being by ourselves. Right. Um, because as you were saying, there are things that, that helps us to learn about ourselves, to see about ourselves that we can lose if we're constantly being, um, in contact and in interaction with other people, you can totally lose your sense of, of who you are because you're constantly under the influence of the thoughts, opinions, beliefs, um, that, that influence of other that, that can have on you. And so solitude, when it's used in a, in a very intentional way, which is why 
in so many, um, you know, wisdom traditions, it's, it's very much a part of, of the, of practice, you know, that's like, it's important that you go and you, and you be by yourself for a while. Right. But that's a very different thing from living with this, with a, like a belief essentially that you are alone. I think it's a very different thing. And I think that's an important distinction to make in this, in this conversation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is this uh, this whole thing about like conscious solitude, where you know you're you're mindfully going off and you're being with yourself purposefully to process to work some things out, and maybe even just to remove yourself from influence and and other things that are that are kind of maybe bombarding you. And I do think that we're you know, as people, we're a bit of a herd mentality. No matter, no matter how much we want to be critical thinkers and individuals, there is a certain movement to us as a whole, as humanity, and with culture and society. And it's it's pretty inescapable. Like eventually, in some form or another, you get down deep enough, you'll start to say, "Oh yeah, like why do I do this? I do this because this is normal, or this is acceptable, or this is." how I learned how to do it, you know, and where did I learn how to do that? And where did that come from? And if you really are honest and you go down the lineage of why you do a lot of what you do, you realize, well, you know, a lot of this is not mine. This is passed down. And is that, that's not always a problem, but sometimes that's really good. I mean, wisdom gets passed down through generations and through, you know, as we evolve, um, you know, our elders essentially teach us these lessons and these morals and principles and things like that that we adopt and we use because it makes our lives better and easier but i think also some of these things that we end up learning and taking on they actually hinder us and hold us back and limit us and so it's not always obvious what the difference is it's not always obvious like oh this one's good for me and this one isn't so good for me because when you're a kid you're probably just getting this stuff and just taking it without any critical judgment, without anything. You're just like, yeah, this is just mm -hmm. normal. This is just how it's done. And so be it. Right. And I think this is the kind of thing where people can get stuck. Right. It's like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe you, maybe you have doubts about yourself. Right. But maybe you learned the doubt from somebody. Like maybe that's not your real doubt. Maybe that's doubt that was passed on to you and someone never worked that out for themselves. And then they inadvertently passed it on to you. And now you took it on as your kind of doubt and your fear and your whatever, right? And so, you know, you you don't even question it until maybe you get alone and you go, well, this is strange. Like I'm, why am I worried about that? Why am I scared of this? What Like what's going on here? And you start asking these questions and you go like, where did, where did that even come from? Like, why do you even think that? And, and that can be a very, uh, I don't know, like, what would you say? Like, it's a, it can be challenging because you're like, well, if I don't think this way, then what do I think? And there's nothing to take its place yet. You know, mm -hmm. and that's, and that's so much of the self-discovery, the self-discovery part of, you know, this journey and and I, I think like, you know, not to get too far off top, because I do think like a lot of the time we talk about how to help the artist live a holistic, happy, connected life, you know, whether that be with people or their art and creativity. 
but I think as an artist too, like so much about what we're talking about today too, is about finding your voice, you know, and it's such an elusive idea, right? Like we, we, we mentioned it, but like, what is that? And it's like, well, it's kind of like seeing what isn't your voice so that you can maybe start to get some recognition of what your voice might actually be when you remove everyone else's voice from your, you know, from your expression. And this is something that I've found, like, particularly as a writer, it's like, and, and it's been more evident to me of late than it has ever been in my entire writing career, where I'm like, do I think this? Or was this what I was told to think? And and that's a an interesting thing, you know, it's like, did I buy into a narrative that maybe isn't really the narrative that I actually see things as? And what, you know, and, and solitude can, can give you a chance if you're willing to sit with yourself to ask these types of questions. And I think the rest of society can appreciate that when someone does this, because you've gone away and you've come back with go, Hey guys, you know what? I know we all kind of see it this way, but what if it's, what if it's this way? And everyone's like, Oh, what a profound, interesting take on that. And it's like, yeah, because you just remove the inertia of what everyone else was thinking for a moment for yourself and came to some clarity and then came back to everyone and shared it. And that can become the zeitgeist of tomorrow. People are all of a sudden like, oh yeah, no, now we see it this way. Because someone makes a movie or writes a song or does something where it's like, or makes a painting or whatever they do. And all of a sudden everyone's like, oh no, now, now we see, now we see this, right? Yeah. So totally. And you know, that, that sort of zeitgeist is almost like it, it's like this feedback loop. Right. And in many ways, like the, the artist, you know, and, and the artist does, you know, like requires that sort of solitude, you know, like I, I've always thought of the artist as someone who's got one foot in and one foot out. Um, because there's the, there's the absolute necessity of being connected to, what's going on in the world and culture and in society in how and where human beings are at and being a part of that. Right. And then being able to step outside of the box for a moment and to, to, to look at it and, and see some kind of truth in it for yourself, some sort of real connected emotional, possibly truth to what's going on and and express it back and it's like you know there's this and yeah and there's these it's like this feedback where that that i think happens in culture and in cultures and and society and there can be that thing of you come back with with some perspective and you are able to see something or express something to name something in a way that we haven't heard before. I think that's a fascinating, that's one of the fascinating things about um, a great communicator of any kind, right? Who And, and communication is definitely an art. Um, but that someone can say a thought to us or express an idea to us that we've never really had before but the moment that we hear it we're like yes <laughs> <laughs> we ident we can identify it and, and just go yes oh my god somebody somebody said it 
somebody fucking said it, you know, like this thing that, that, that I've been thinking and feeling, um, somebody, somebody else was able to, to express this. And I think that that's the, the beautiful thing that the artist does is, is being able to express the thing that is unexpressible, right? Express the thing that we don't necessarily have the, the, we don't always have the capacity for ourselves to do. And I, this, I guess, is kind of the perfect segue into the, the that whole idea that art is, is in so many ways the remedy to that aloneness. Because that moment of, of recognition of when somebody finally says something or um, whatever the medium that's done through, and it hits on something so profoundly true for us, right? Like it the thing that I think part of the thing that feels so great about that, what, because it does like when we have those moments, it's like, it feels so incredible, right? Like there's, there's a catharsis that we, we have, which I think who was Aristotle. I think it was Aristotle. Who's who said that the, the aim of all art is, is catharsis, right? It's to, for both the artist and for the audience is this feeling of just like, like this, this, this weight, this relief, this, this, this release of, Mm. of sorts. Um, And great art does that. And that, that release I think is that remembrance of that. Oh, I'm not alone. And I know that I'm not alone because this person just said something that was in the the deepest depths of my soul. That that I know I'm not alone. I know that I'm connected. I know that someone else is out there. At least one other person is out there <laughs> who feels something as 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 powerfully as I do. Hmm. Yeah, you know, you bring into something you bring something into this that I think is, is good to explore is when you're going out and exploring maybe these new thoughts that you have never really looked into, you know, where you're kind of removed from the culture, society, the group, the family, the, you know, whatever. And you're on your own and you're thinking now for yourself in a critical way, maybe you're questioning some of the things like, you know, do I really, do I really see it this way? Why do I see it this way? You know, is that mine, all this? And then the, the idea you might come to something else. Now you can actually feel quite alone because you think, well, everybody else sees it this way, but I see it this way. And, you know, and now I'm, a, I feel alone because now I've come to this recognition that I see it differently than everyone I know. And when you find out that someone else actually sees it, how you see it, maybe even the people you walked away from, but they never had the willingness or courage, or they're not in that stage of their journey where they've walked away and looked at it. And then you come back to them and go, you know, I see it this way. And people are like, Oh my God, I actually do too. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you don't feel alone anymore because you realize that like, maybe they didn't know because they were caught in it too. You know what I mean? Like, um, I mean, there's so many things like that. And I mean, just to give an example, it's like, 
people can have these like negative outlooks on things, right? These, these pessimistic things where they're like, I'm a realist or whatever, you know, that type of thing. And then all of a sudden someone comes away and they go, you know, maybe this is not so realistic. Like I actually had a thought about it and I was like, you know, maybe it's not like that at all. And then, and you know, and it's like that person might realize they were in, they were trapped by this negativity, this pessimistic view where they, they, they thought it was unchangeable. And then someone gives them a, a, a look at it here. I'll give you a perfect example, actually, because I was working on this with, uh, with one of my clients just the other day. And this was a really great insight she had where, you know, one of the, one of the models that I have, and I, I try to work from, because I went through a depression, I've shared this many times, but I went through a depression. And what I realized is I went through this uh, valley was that you can victimize yourself. You can become a victim and your whole life becomes just kind of hell. And you're just always, everything's just against you. And you're, you know, and it's just so hard and blah, blah, blah. You know, this story goes on and on. And so something I realized is like, okay, well, I'm not going to be in depression for the rest of my life. There's no way. Like, I'm not like, I'm not chemically depressed. This is a story depression. I, I recognize that. And I mean, if there's a chance to get out of this hell of being depressed, there's no way I'm sitting in here and going to be there. And so I said, okay, well, you cannot be a victim anymore. You cannot be like whiny and complainy about your life anymore. You have to be the champion of your life. This is the middle of your story. It is not the end of your story. So how does the hero rise up? And what are you going to do to transcend this shit so you can become whoever it is that you really want to be in your heart? And that's and that was my, my journey. And so a lot of my clients that I work with today they really embrace that idea in their own lives, whether they're depressed or not. They just go, yeah, that's a good outlook. I hear that. You know what I mean? I hear that. And so one of my clients, and this is the story, I'm, my point, she's like, yeah, and I don't play the victim. And she's like, I don't want to be the victim. And then she is sharing in the group that she's like, but I have these moments where I feel like crying, but I have to, I have to suck it up. Like She's like, I have to put it aside because I have this thing to do. And I was like, I, I helped her see, we, we were looking at it and I pointed out like, you're, you're a victim, you're being a victim to control because you're not allowed to feel and you're making feeling wrong and bad. And there's a time and a place for you to do your job. Like this, there's no place for feeling. You need to do your job and your feelings need to come second. There is a time for that. But there's also a time where we're alone. And this is exactly what we're talking about right now, funny enough, where you need to have catharsis. And this is exactly what I said to her. You need to have catharsis and that you're a human being and human beings get sad and they get angry. And sometimes it's not even a story. It's just a body feeling that needs to be processed. And if you keep stuffing it and keep judging it and keep saying like, if I cry, I'm a victim, you're actually a victim to the control, not a victim to the crying. Because mm. the crying is freedom. The control is the trap. And you're being so strong to do your job and be, you know, here, but you're not always having, you're not always on the job. Sometimes you have to be a human with yourself and you have to let yourself feel and not, and it's, it actually takes a strong person to let themselves cry. I would say that when I was depressed, it was because I wasn't letting myself process these deep emotions. 
that's the thing that when you're caught in depression, it's the last thing you want to do. I don't want to embrace this sadness because what if I what if I feel it and I can never get out of it? That's a scary idea. Mm-hmm. But it's actually the catharsis of those feelings that help them go away. To 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 cry it out because you won't cry forever. It's the it's the refusing to cry when you deeply want to. That's where you become almost a victim to. I can't cry because crying's bad. It's, you know, it's victimhood. It's whatever. Crying isn't victimhood. Crying, sadness, all of that, that is human. It's the refusal to be vulnerable with yourself, the refusal to let yourself process. That's actually victimhood. And and I, and this was an interesting insight that, you know, I had and and she had. And she went, wow, look at that. I'm trying so hard not to be the victim. And look at me inadvertently being the victim to my control. You know what I mean? I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm explaining this properly, but it was a really good insight for us as a group because we, one of the things I really try to help people with is for them to get access into their writing and their acting and their filmmaking is to, is to use their real true emotional languages, right? Their, their true truth, their authenticity. And the, the thing is, is a lot of people are scared to go into those feelings and those thoughts, you know, those, and whenever they have a feeling, here's another thing. Sorry. I know I'm talking a lot, but something that I've identified with myself and with, with other people is that we have a feeling come up like sadness and we'll go, why am I sad? Oh, I'm sad because, you know, my parents did this or my friend did that, or my relationship, this happened. And it's like, maybe not, maybe you're just sad as a human emotion that's happening. And now you're attributing this big narrative to it. And it actually has nothing to do with it. And maybe you just need to feel sad for a moment as a human being having emotion pass through their body. And there doesn't need to be this big narrative story because it's really the narrative story is as great a tool as that is, it can get you into the past and it can get you into the future and it can get you out of the moment. But it's actually much more courageous and honest to just be in the moment and be like, I feel sad. Maybe for no reason other than I'm just a human being feeling the emotion of sadness. And that's okay. And then you accept it, you feel it, and then and then it, it goes away, you know? It, and there's no big dramatic story, oh, woe is me, life is so hard. And it's just an emotion. It's not a bad thing. It's like, okay, felt sad. That's life. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, there can, there can sometimes be, be a kind of, of utility and, and, uh, a helpfulness to being able to understand what's possibly behind something. But I think that the, there are, there are those moments where it's, um, you know, the, the way that I've expressed this in the past is that it's like, why are, why am I sad? I don't know, probably a million fucking things. Yeah. You know, like it, it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we take in, you know, <laughs> and, and I think it can just pile up sometimes, right? There can just be these pileups and it's just, no, okay. I'm just feeling sad. I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling blue today. You know, I'm just like this is, and, and that's all, that's all right. You know, you give it its place and, um, and then it doesn't destroy you. Right. Cause that's uh, what you were saying about like, you know, it's an interesting thing with this client of yours where it was like, yeah, there was this control element as well. And, and I think that the other 
aspect of it is that you become it's interesting because the idea is like not wanting to be a victim to your emotions but you ultimately end up becoming victimized by the emotion right by the unfelt emotion by the un yeah, by the un yeah by the unacknowledged emotion it it because it for lack of a better term it will continue to assault you from the inside mm-hmm. right like it will continue to to just wreak havoc and attack you in all of these different ways it'll start burning down down <laughs> the buildings inside of you until and until it has its place right and um you know all because we we were trying to just control and and not be victim to it right but i think that that's one of the interesting things about emotions is that when they are fully felt they don't last very long mm-hmm. right yeah, they like pass. they, they yeah. pass they 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 pass very very quickly usually they usually pass very very quickly but yeah it is it's this interesting you know control is such an interesting subject on its own <laughs> you know and and the the need to control um the desire to control um and and so many of those are ideas of what that looks like are just so broken right yeah and and definitely there are um there are moments in which uh you know you need to be somewhat in control right but like i i'm i'm just thinking about like the you know sort of like the birth of 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 my son you know like it was it was a very dramatic situation it was 6 weeks early emergency airlifted emergency c-section um it, you know it was all just so crazy and it was such a a scary experience when it was happening um and it was not that i was not aware of how scared i was or um how scared how anxious nervous i was you know during those hours that everything was happening but it was one of those things where both my wife and I were just like, okay, like we just like, yep, like we're, we're shitting our pants right now, but we don't have time. We don't have time to do that mm-hmm. yet. Right. And, and not until, until, you know, everything is, is not until this baby is, is out and healthy and, and, and every, and everyone's okay. And that was exactly how it went. It was like in control in control in control so that we could function but then the moment and it was a situation where really i'll just speak for myself i i didn't have until i reached a point where i'm like okay i don't have control of this anymore right but it was at a but at that point it was at a point where i didn't need to control things anymore it's like okay i don't need to control the situation anymore and that was when it was just immediate emotional processing can't just came through <laughs> you know it was like an immediate emotional breakdown for a couple of minutes and just letting it out and 
then it was okay. Mm. You know, <laughs> you know, there's still a lot of emotions thinking about that moment, but, um, you know, it's just the, the, the whole thing of like the control can, can certainly extend far beyond its necessity, I suppose. Um, and that is a very, that was a very particular circumstance. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah. you know, it's, I think what's important, you know, in, in the story that you share is that there is a time and a place where I think most of us as adults can recognize that we need to, we need to put our emotions aside. We need to not indulge them. And it's important to, to do, to do what needs doing, you know, because that takes a priority over how we feel and what's going on. And when you're in the, you know, kind of the chaos of, you know, war, you're in the chaos of battle, you're in this situation where you're dealing with something. If you become indulgent of your emotions, that's a victim, that's victim mentality in that moment. But when battle is done, when you're you're in a state of rest and and the, and and that's complete or at least that has become something where you don't contribute to anymore. It's not something that you need to participate in anymore. That's when it's actually self-indulgent to not embrace your emotions. And, you know, there's a, you know, there's a statistics, right? Like far more men commit suicide than women. And men also generally, generally, and this is a generalization about processing, but men generally have a more difficult time dealing with heartbreak than women do. And the argument for this is that because men have been so, they, they've had to suppress their emotions so much in their life. I'm not saying like some women do too, like they had that experience as well, so they can relate just as much, mm -hmm. but because they weren't allowed to feel after things are done, a lot of times men don't let themselves process how they're actually feeling. And mm -hmm. the, the, um, the decision to just end yourself, to just destroy your life has a lot to do with their bottling up all these painful emotions and they're not dealing with them and they're trying to put on this strong face. And, you know, it's, it's difficult because they don't, they don't, first of all, they don't have much experience with these emotions and then they're not letting themselves feel them. And, and I'm telling you from personal experience, processing your emotions can save your life. And I'm very, like, I'm very serious about that because I feel like that's a very, you know, I, I mean that very sincerely, <laughs> put it that way. Like, I'm, like, it's very much the truth. Like you need to, at some point, let yourself feel the hurt, feel. And, and I know that's scary because that feels like that's going into the mouth of the beast. That feels like that's what's going to kill you. But actually that's what's going to save your life. It's very counterintuitive at that point. Because when you're in the situation and you're in the public atmosphere, you know, breaking down and crying and melting down and all of that stuff isn't going to be so good for you, whatever the situation, whether it's a breakup or some traumatic event like you experienced, that is not, that's not when you need to indulge those feelings. But later, it's important to like go like, yeah, like that was really fucking scary. 
And that, and that really hurt. And, you know, and to, and to let yourself sit with that, because if you do, what'll happen is you'll, you'll process that and you can move on. And, and so from what I, from what I understand, like women tend to get over breakups a lot easier because in general, because what they'll do is that in a, in a breakup or a heartbreak, they'll tend to talk to their friends. They'll tend to feel it out. They'll tend to process. And I'm not saying all women, but I'm saying like in general, that's been encouraged more. So, um, and men can get upset about this because they can be like, oh man, she's over me already, or she's over it already. Like she obviously didn't care. And it's like, you know, time suffering doesn't mean you cared more or less, you know, but there's a point, like it's all grief, right? It's all just going through a process and you get to the point ultimately of acceptance and acceptance is, is release. It's freedom, right? Where you go, okay, you know what? This is over. I, I, I am moving on to this new chapter and I'm not going to, um, I'm, I'm not going to forget that that was an important chapter in my life, but also I'm not going to drag that chapter on any longer than it needs to be dragged on, you know, because we're going to go through these hard moments, these traumatic moments in our life. And when you allow yourself to process the emotion, you're essentially letting yourself end the chapter of that trauma. And, you know, I, from somebody who has spent a fair amount of time alone, trauma can haunt you when you're alone, when you won't deal with it. And then being alone can be a painful experience. But if you deal with the emotions in the trauma and you process them, being alone can be actually a really joyful experience because now you're not, because a lot of people, they don't want to be alone. I'll say one last thing about this. They don't want to be alone because they know the moment they're alone, they're going to feel their trauma again. And so mm -hmm. they do anything they can to distract themselves. Let me go for a drink. Let me hang out with this person. Let me watch TV, play a video game, do whatever you do, right? To just get away from being alone. And, and But if you just deal with the trauma, being alone is not such a threatening idea anymore. It's actually kind of like, you know, it becomes a, a sacred time, you know? At the same time, though, you don't need to be alone all the time, you know, process yeah. it. And maybe you start enjoying your own time, but like, it's okay to get back out there again, you know? Hey, everybody, this is Evan, and this episode is brought to you by my book. Yes, I recently released a book called The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. And sometimes and very often, you it's useful to have somebody to, to process with. Mm -hmm. and there's, it's, I, I suppose it's the, in, like, the intention of what you're doing with the other person, right? Like, is it yeah. just, you know, like, are you actually spending the time to, like, maybe talk something out, say some things that you need to, to get off of your chest, or are you just, you know, drowning the sorrows, so to speak, right? You bring up something that I think is really interesting because we've sort of veered down into this territory of emotions and you brought up uh, grief, right? Which if I think so many emotions actually boil down to that. There's so many emotion... Um, mental health conditions that we have 
emotional health conditions can can come down to a grief of sorts and that that relationship to that sort of i'm alone feeling it's usually in our times of grief whatever form that's taking on that we tend to feel the most alone and i think that there's a very good reason for that like when we are in a time of very intense grief um that's a very particular thing that's going on for us and that's not something that most people are necessarily going through intensely all the time and they are these sort of moments in our life in our lives when we have these experiences and it's fairly rare that there's other people in your life as well who are necessarily going through that that same kind of thing which is you know why you have groups right why there are groups for people who are going through different kinds of grief because of how how useful it can be to share in that with somebody else right mm-hmm. it's just because it, it's it's literally there to remind you that you're connected there are other people going through what you're going through right now you're mm-hmm. not alone in what's happening to you and um and through that you can have some you can you can find some some comfort and you can find some you can find some lessons you can find some growth as a human being in those moments grief grief and growth um oftentimes come together when when you are working with it um and i think that that's one of those you know this is one of those interesting things about this aloneness thing is that you know, there are certain things in our journeys as human beings is that, yeah, there are certain things in which we are to a certain extent, nobody can go through these things for us, right? We are the ones who ultimately have to go through it. We are ultimately the ones who have to um, resolve and and come to terms with the people that we are, the feelings that we have, like nobody can do that for us. And I think that that is in many ways why that aloneness thing can, can come up because is because no one can, can do that for us. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that people still can't help us along the way. Right. I, I remember a long time ago, I wrote this thing down. I think I, when I was going through a, a, a challenging period of time and, uh, you know, one of my favorite and most challenging philosophers who I listen to is, uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti. And he somewhat discomfortingly it, it has said, he's like, no one can help you. Right. And to that regard, speaking to, it's just like, look, like there's, you you are ultimately the person who has to you know as i was just saying like you're ultimately the person who has to look at these things and and come to peace with these things because nobody can do it for you and i thought like oh and you know at first it's just like oh my god that's that's re- that that's really shocking that's really disturbing to a certain degree um but i remember this thought coming to me and i wrote it down it was just like there's nobody that can help you and it's good to have some help with that. 
<laughs> right? Like it's just like there it's good to have to have some connection as well that it's just like okay like I'm going through this but while I'm going through this I have somebody who's just who who can just be be there with me who can just sit with me and they're not going through what I'm going through but they care about what I'm going through and they can sit with me or they'll just listen to me um just spill my guts out about something or they can you know, give me a hug. They can, they can do something, right? They, they can support, you know, we can find support from people, but very often the answers we have to find for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think really that's, um, that's part of this whole thing with like why we feel alone, because I think that there's an aspect of us that knows that that ultimately we're the ones that have to get ourselves out of this situation, right? Um, what's that old saying? Um, Galileo, we cannot teach people anything. We can only help them discover it within themselves, right? Like it's very much that kind of thing. The most important things that we learn in our lives are are the things that that we can only come to for ourselves, even if somebody already knows, if, if we know somebody yeah. who already knows this lesson, you know, it's like they can't, you can't force somebody to, to, to learn something. You can't force somebody to know something, you know, with, with full realization, you know, in their being. It's, it's, you can very often only just facilitate support, but you can't, you can't force big lessons typically in people's life journeys. Yeah. I think it's one of those things. It's like, you you know, we often do want the easy path with certain things and we want help or we want, you know, we don't want to do the heavy lifting of whatever that might be. And thinking that you can skip steps, you know, I think we all do this in our own way. Right. And it's like, Oh, maybe I can just, maybe I can get away without having to do that. You know, like, you know, maybe there's some, some trick and it's like, well, look, you're, you're having the human experience, you know, and the human experience comes with some things. It comes with, uh, you know, it comes with a bunch of emotions and, you know, you're going to have to feel them. And that's part of the human experience. So like people are trying to avoid things. Like I don't ever want to get sad, you know, particularly they don't want to be angry. They don't want, they don't want these things. And it's like, well, like, hate to break it to you, but that's human. Like, that's what it is to be human. Like to have these emotions is to be human. So, you know, the sooner that you begin to accept that these feelings that you will inevitably have will, they're actually a part of your human experience and a part of your process. And they're, and they're actually serving you. This is a big thing. So like something we were talking about and actually in class last week was, uh, you know, we're talking about emotions and it was like, well, like if you start running, you're probably going to sweat and you may not want to sweat. You might think sweat's gross and whatever, you know, whatever, but like, why are you sweating? You're sweating because it's your body's way of cooling itself down. There's a purpose to it. It's, 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 part of the process of of it trying to respond to what's needed 
And so we, for some reason, we go, well, like, would you be mad at yourself for sweating when you were, when you were exercising? Like, like not like it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like, why would you get upset at that? Like, that's helping you, you know, and people get upset when they have like a fever and it's like, no, you, if you have a fever, that's a good thing. Fever is your body's way of burning off whatever bug is inside you. That's what your body does. A fever is not a bad thing. A fever is a body response to healing itself. Mm-hmm. And we have these weird takes on fevers. Like, oh, I got a fever. It's so horrible. It's like, yeah, I know it doesn't feel good, but that's the same as sweating. That's what a fever is. A fever is trying to burn off the bug that's inside of you. And it's its own way of doing it. Um, and when you have an emotion, it's the same way. You're feeling sad. You're like, well, why am I feeling sad? Because your body is trying to do something. It's it's the same as having a fever or sweating or any of this stuff. And if you refuse to listen to your body, your body can't help you. It can't work for you. And that's all it's trying to do all the time. And that's something that I've learned, because I've studied a lot of personal growth and you know it's been a big part of my life, but like personal growth is interesting because it's like, if you want to grow as a person, then you should want to experience pain, growing pain, because that's what growing is. It's the painful. It's, you know, it's, it's rarely a comfortable thing. And so if you're avoiding pain and yet you want to grow, they don't go together. They don't work. That's like putting opposite magnets. They'll just push each other apart. Like you won't get it. You, you, you know, and, and someone said to me years and years ago, they said, you know, you don't sharpen a sword with a pillow. <laughs> And it's such an accurate statement because, you know, that, that friction on that sword, that, that sharp hardness, that's part of what makes you sharp. That's part of what makes you, you know, that, that part of what makes you have that cut, you know? And I remember when I was an athlete and I'll just, you know, add one more thing to this. I remember, man, my body is just always in pain. Like, cause when you're an athlete, you know, you get bumped, you're working out, you're pushing yourself, you know? just your body's in pain all the time. It's it's not a sore muscle. It's a bruise. If it's something, it's a pulled thing, it's something. Right. And, um, I miss those days of being an athlete because I was just strong and sharp and in touch with my body. And, And there was a temporary relief when I kind of like, kind of put athletics kind of in the background of my life. And it's like, you're going to get pain anyway, you know, like you're going to get pain from just body sore, you know, from inactivity, from atrophy, from not doing anything. So, you know, you're going to get pain one way or another. Why not choose the pain that that's building you? Why not choose the pain that's, you know, helping you move forward in whatever it is that you want to do. Right. And so, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to be alone. That can be painful. It's like, yeah, but like, that's going to grow you spiritually as a human being. That's going to grow you emotionally. That's going to grow you in so many ways. So you should want to be alone. You should actually actively carve out time to be alone. As painful and as dreadful as that might be for some people, you you really should look for some time to just be like, I'm just going to be with me. And that means without distraction, like, you know, it's, it's okay. Like it actually is a, a good middle ground to maybe be like, do some alone time, watch some TV or, you know, or playing a video game or whatever that activity is you do, but like, it can be really good to just be alone with you and like 
a, a take that I could maybe share with people is like, hang out with you like your friend hanging out. Like, and not just a friend who's like, I'm not really hanging out with you. I'm here doing this. And you happen to hear here being doing this. And so we're just doing this together. Like when friends who go out for drinks, like that's okay. Hang out. But like, let's get together and let's talk. Like, let's connect. Like what's going on in your life? Like I'm talking about hang out with yourself like, like that, you know? Mm. And it can be, it can be a quite rewarding experience and a very powerful way to grow because eventually I find that like, you know, well, I mean, at first, if you, it's, if it's painful to be alone, eventually that pain goes away and you begin to enjoy your own company. And then when you're really hurting, you actually have a much more honest conversation with yourself. Well, what's this hurt all about? Like, what's, what's going on here? You know, why, why, you know, why are you feeling this way? Or why do you think you're feeling this way? It's like, well, I think I'm feeling this way. It's okay. Well, you know, and it's like, and you just, and you're just being, you know, you're being with yourself. And then when you come back to people, you're coming back as something that's kind of not like a needy case anymore. You know, you, you're not getting people to try and answer the questions that you needed to answer on your own because they can't answer them for you. You know, sometimes like people will give you their take and they'll give you their support, but like, it's really, you need to go away and you need to, you need to sit with it. You know, I really believe that. I think that's a really important part of the human journey. And in that way, you're not like, you know, repeating the same story over and over again. Like these people who repeat their sob story over and over and over again. Oh, this happened to me. My life's so hard, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, if you find yourself repeating a story more than like a few times, then you need to go and be with that story so you can stop telling it. Because if it's not a story that's a really like fulfilling, rewarding story, if it's not something you're proud of, if it's not something that you like are celebrating, then maybe you should go away and be with it and try to figure out like, why do I, like, what kind of sympathy am I going for? Like, what, what why am I trying to get other people to solve this for me? You know, be with yourself mm. and solve it, you know? And, and maybe you think that's impossible, but I actually think it's the only way that makes it possible. You know, people can help you maybe even 99% of the way, but there's 1% that you just have to do alone. You know, maybe they can help you for a lot of it, but it will never be complete until you complete it within. And no one can do that work for you. That's, that's gotta be on you, you know? And uh, I do, I'm not saying don't get support. I'm not saying don't talk, talk it out with people. Don't get help. Don't get encouragement. Don't get a coach or something like that by all means, do all that, get people to help you as much as they can possibly can, but know that there's a certain percentage of it, a certain point of it that falls on you alone and mm -hmm. only you can do it. And that gives you, you know, what's beautiful about that, Evan, is it makes you take responsibility for your life. It makes you take ownership of your life where it's not just yeah. passed off to someone all the time. At some point you want to be like, I want to, I want to be responsible for my part in this. You know, where no one else has territory, but me. And this is that one part of me. That's just me, me and myself, you know, me facing me, you know? And I, I think like, that's part of why aloneness is such an important part of the human journey and the artist journey. They're, they're they work together, you know, they're very, uh, 
there, you know, it's just, I think one of the things that's coming up for me, actually, now that I've kind of went on that spiel, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, there's something about, there's something about this talk where we haven't really talked about it, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm landing on it now. I'm like, yeah, there's this responsibility part of this whole thing where you own your emotions and they're just your emotions. You know, no one, no one gave them to you. You feel them in your body. You manufactured them or made them happen through your own physio physiological situation. You know, they're yours. And maybe there is no story attached to them. Just take a certain amount of responsibility of like, I created this. This is me having this, you know, and the outside world doesn't get to decide how I feel. Like I can actually create my own feelings right? Because if you, if you're always thinking, oh, the world did this to me, that person did that to me, you're always a victim to the world, right? There needs to be a certain point where you go, no, I created this. I decide if I'm sad. I decide if I'm happy. And maybe, maybe I'm sad and I can't change that right now. But if I let myself feel the sadness, I can then transition into my next feeling. I can do that. And that's, you know, that seems to be actually, I don't know, it seems obvious to me now, but it seems responsibility is an important part of this. Hmm. Man, there's a lot of things you said there, Brandon. Um, where do I want to begin? Uh, <laughs> where do you begin? Um, so if you, first, one thing I want to say was like a great sort of reminder and I think is something that I know I'm not the best at and most people I don't think are very great at it, but this the, the thing that you brought up of talking to yourself like you're a friend or being with yourself like as a friend, you know, like there's that whole saying or, you know, there's that sentiment that often gets shared about our self-talk, right? Where it's just like, would you talk to a friend that way, mm. right? And for so many of us, it's just like, oh, fuck, no, I would never... <laughs> I would never talk to another human being that way, you know, like, let alone just a friend, but like I would, but we talk to ourselves like that very often, um, in ways in which we would never speak to another human being. And so to, to be with ourselves, you know, in solitude as if we were, as if we were really being with a, a friend, a good friend, especially in times when we're struggling, right. To just be like, okay, like I'm going to be with myself. Like I would be for, a friend who was going through a rough, a rough time. And I'm going to be there for myself in the same way. I think that that's a beautiful, there, there's a beautiful something that we can, that we can sort of glean some, some sort of way of being from that, that I just absolutely love. So um, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, another thing I wanted to, to just touch on as well. I also loved what you said about like how our emotions are in response to something you know, in, in the same way that, uh, you know, sweat is, is our response to the, to the heat or a fever is to a, to a sickness or, you know, like throwing up is to, you know, we need, <laughs> you got to get something out of your stomach, right? There's something toxic inside of you, right? It's in response to something. And I think that that's, you know, I, I, what really land lands with me in a way that it, it hasn't, you know, that's never been, what really lands with me with that, Brandon, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that I've never thought about it in as tangible a way as that before. Mm. Um, in as, you know, because those things are such 
physically concrete things and emotions are just like, you know, there's such this internal thing that we don't often think about it in, in the same terms, but they are, they're, they're no less real than those physiological responses that, that you were talking about. Um, though I do think that there's, what's interesting is that there's a caveat to that in which, you know, yes, we do have emotions, which we are responding in the moment with, right? Something happening and, and, you know, we respond with, with laughter or we respond with tears or, you know, whatever it, it, it could be, um, when we're just struck by something and we respond, right? But I think that there are other things that, you know, like, where we are still responding to something but the thing we're responding to is is a story that we're that we're playing out you know it's a story but it's still in response to something hmm. right which i think is 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 still a useful thing for us to understand which is like you know for you know like myself anxiety is something that i've i've dealt with for many years in my life and you know, it can just be this feeling that's just sort of there. It's just, it's just, it's just sort of in you and around you and on you. It's, it's just, you know, and, and you're still, you know, at least for myself, you know, like you're, you're still functioning, like you're going about your day and doing things, but it's, it's just present. And I think it's still extraordinarily useful to just go, it's like, okay, well this, this is still in response to something. Like, it's not just an, it's, it's not just from nowhere. It's, it's in response to something that's going on within you. Some story that, some story that I'm telling myself, some, some thought that I'm, I'm playing over and over and over again. Um, so what is that response? What is it responding to? Because it's there and, and seeing it in the way it's like, it is trying to help me. Right. It is trying to help me. Um, but. Is the thing that it's it's responding to even something that's real. Right. Like that's and I think that that's with with certain emotions that we experience is, is something that can be a little bit trickier. But um, regardless, I still love the, the sort of the concreteness that you brought to um that you brought to that. So, hmm. um, there's something that comes up for me with what you're talking about. One is, uh, you know, your state, your emotional state and how that is something that a lot of time people feel like powerless to, they're just like, Oh, I'm just, I'm in this uh, emotional state and they don't like this like state that they're in. And, I think with state, like there are going to be times where it's very difficult to control your state, but for the most part, you can decide to have an emotional like state of being that is what you choose to be, what you choose. And I, I don't, I don't think you should look at it as something like, okay, I, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to try to keep an even keel of the state forever. You know, it's like if you achieve a happiness or a confidence kind of emotional state, like however you want to like articulate that or put that together in your own mind, what that means. Um, that can feel so good. You're like, I never want to not be in this state. I want to feel like this all the time and understand that 
having state control doesn't mean that you maintain something forever. It means that you can you can activate it when you need to. And it and the more you do it, the more practiced you become at it, the the better you'll get at it. And you know, something that I like I was like I was bullied in high school and I had a tough time in high school. I hated it. I, I just want I couldn't wait to get out of high school. But when I got to college, I'm like, hey, well, this is a fresh start. Nobody really knows me. Um, you know, I'm gonna re- reinvent uh how I want to be. I felt free. I felt like, you know, untethered by anybody's perceptions of me. And so I decided that like I I wanted to be in the state of like joy and happiness and confidence and mostly and and this was this was an evolving thing but mostly i i the the, the point where it really kind of took off for me was i was like i want to have fun like i don't want life to be so fucking serious all the time like i don't want it to be so hard and so then i started to go like um if i'm in a state of looking for fun then find what's fun just constantly put your your attention on what's fun what's funny what is joyful what is whatever and so it it became like the emotional state started to take place but you you know i achieved the emotional state to some degree but to maintain it to actually continue it and kind of keep some resemblance of it you know always as a touch point it's like stop looking for the enemy and start looking for the friend start looking for the person that wants to laugh start finding what's funny in this situation even if something shitty happens like what's funny about it like just always look for you know how to how to take this and make it something right and there's something that came up for me while you were talking and i think this relates to it all is something that I've heard uh, people talk about many times as far as like success, motivational speakers, that type of thing. They, you know, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, you know, people like that from the past who are great speakers about this stuff. They would talk about like tapes, you know, you're running tapes and these are recordings and these recordings play in your mind over and over and over again. And they're your, a lot of them, your self-talk, like, you know, that was so stupid. You know, you always do something stupid. You know, you're going to embarrass yourself. Don't speak up. You know, every time you speak up, you say the wrong thing. You know, uh, you always get nervous when you talk to someone you like, you know, these are all tapes that are running in your head. And so one of the great things about being alone is you can sit there and you can listen to those tapes for a second, but don't listen to them as though they're true. Just listen to them and go, what am I saying to myself? And go like, I don't like that recording anymore. If I was going to re-record that tape, what would it say? You know, and you just, you just rewrite it and it starts to become how you are because everything you think you are and then the way you think you are, that is all just things you've agreed to play out. There's nothing about that that is actually really grounded. It's worn in pattern, but it's not grounded in reality. It's not the truth. So you just go, okay. One thing I did, I'll I'll just give an example, is like every time someone asks me a question, there's no way I'm going to answer it seriously ever. I'm always going to try to answer it in a goofy, silly way. So it's like, you know, uh, you know, how long until you're here? I'm like, I'll be there in a few years. 
you know, whatever. It's like, what? You know, but it's just like, don't, don't give them the real answer. Don't ever, you know, like just play with the whole thing, you know, because what happens is like, you just become kind of a goof. You kind of become silly. And then people, when you do say something serious, the beauty of doing that, for example, is when I did say something real, people really cared and really listened. But like most of the time I'd just be like, what's, what's the most ridiculous thing I could say right now? And it started to be like, oh, you're really funny. And it's like, I'm funny, not because I'm like, I know humor so much, but it's just because I'm just being playful when normally people would be serious. And that's like, it lightens the mood. And I wanted nothing more than to lighten the mood in my life, you know, and it worked. It was very helpful. Um, so, I mean, I think like, you know, I don't want to go down that road too far. I just want to kind of come back to the point of like, being alone can help you see how you're running tapes and you're running these conversations or these ideas in your head and, and just like identify them and then decide like, do I want to keep running that tape? Like if you always get nervous around someone you like, for example, do you like that? Do you like that that happens? Do you want that to happen? Do you like that you stumble and you don't know what to say and you're, you know, you act like an idiot and then it falls apart. Like, do you like that? If you don't then go like, okay, this is what I, this is what I have done. This is what has happened before, but now what's going to happen is this. When I'm around somebody, I'm, I'm calm. I'm cool. I, I'm connected. I look, I look them in the eye and I want to connect with them and I want to listen to them and like, just rewrite the narrative. And you watch yourself, you will take on the new role if you if you rewrite it, but you have to identify that you are not a victim to your narrative, like you are not subject to it, you are responsible for it. And although it wasn't the one you chose, it was given to you, you can change it. And that's where the responsibility comes in for me about all of this, right? But if you're constantly around people that are like making fun of you, talking down to you, looking at you poorly, of course, you're going to think of yourself that way because everybody keeps reaffirming this shitty tape. So maybe you need to move away from those people, be on your own and rewrite the narrative. And you might not want to go back to those people if they just, you know, if they don't encourage you to be who you really want to be, you know, and, and uh, you know, this becomes a thing about choosing your tribe, choosing your friends, right? When you come back and reconnect with society, you know, you you maybe go, you know what? These people are not, either they're not holding me up or they're not willing to hold me up. And so, you know what? Uh, they're, they're, they're kind of encouraging me to live a narrative I don't want to live. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reinvent that. And if you go back to those people and they don't like it, you know, I just started to become real defiant to people that didn't like how I was. I just started saying, you know what? Kind of like, kind of like, fuck you then because this is who I am. And I know that you have difficulty seeing that, but you're going to start to see it because this is who I am. And if you're not going to let me be that, then I'm not going to be around you. You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. these are, you know, aloneness gives you the courage to sometimes remove yourself from groups or people or even family. If it, friends, if it's not conducive to actually helping you live the life you want to live. And, you know, sometimes that's, a, that's a very difficult thing. Cause you're like, well, if I, if I don't have these people in my life, then I'll be alone. And it's like, well, maybe that's exactly what you need for now. Maybe you do need to be alone. 
And maybe, maybe you can go back to them, but maybe they need some time away from you so they can let go of who they think you are and let you be who you truly want to be, you know? Um, and if they won't, then maybe they don't have a space in your, in your life for now, you know, it's not forever, but for now, because, you know, part of the transformational journey of finding yourself, finding your voice is sometimes you have to remove yourself from the, the tribe that traps you in it. Mm -hmm. Well, sir, we've been, uh, chatting for a decent amount here. Okay. I, uh, let's talk about some beer. I think Yeah, let's do it. Let's Let's do do it. it. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead. I'm drinking. I think I've had this one before. Um, on the podcast and this is one from red truck beer and this is called el space camino dry hopped ale with galaxy and el dorado hops and uh it's really good it's really good i got like this uh like a few weeks back i had another red truck one on here and it was like i got like a like their hop pack it's like four different hoppy kinds of beers um, and this one is easily my favorite out of the bunch. Easily my favorite one. Um, just beautifully, uh, beautifully balanced, uh, ale and, uh, you know, not like the hops doesn't like the hops doesn't just like, you know, slap you in the face, but it's, uh, it lets you know that it's there for sure. So <laughs> Right I've on. been enjoying it. Well, I'm having a, I'm having a porter. I haven't Ooh. had, I haven't had a porter in a long time. So I thought, you know, let's try this one. Actually, sorry, it's not a porter. It's a stout. Honestly, I don't really know too much of the difference. <laughs> Someone's, yeah, someone say in the comment section what the difference is. I, I searched that up one time and it doesn't seem like there's really much of a difference, if any difference at all. Yeah, so... Um, well, anyway, it's real dark, and uh, this one's a hazelnut stout from Strathcona Brewery, which I love their brewery. I, every beer I always have from them, I always, I, I always like it. I, I don't think I've had a single beer from them I haven't enjoyed yet, um, and I've had quite a few of theirs. This one's called Rocher, Rocher, I think, uh, hazelnut stout. I don't love hazelnut, and you know it's winter, and a stout or a porter can be nice sometimes, so... I was like, you know, let's go a little different. I always go for like these, you know, these like hazy IPAs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and I like, I like hazelnut. So it's, it's tasty. It's smooth. It's, um, it's a nice dark beer. You know, it's a nice treat. I, I don't, I don't do the, I don't do the darker beers too often, but the really dark, dark ones, but it's good. Um, yeah, man. Well, look, uh, this was, this was a, this was a good little chat, I think. And, uh, I think we covered some good territory here that is building upon the, you know, the, this ever expanding search that we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, with, uh, with artistry and life and, and encouraging people to explore things that are meaningful and, um, and, and really learn how to express themselves. And, and I think also like, uh, you know, this was a good step towards, this was actually a really good step for me to have this conversation because I'm reminded of some things that, 
you know, as I've gone through change in my own life, I've I've been reminded of a few things that are like, oh yeah, you know what? If you're feeling if you're feeling something, be with the feeling and then sit there and, and listen to those tapes. And if you want to change them, change those tapes. And and you know, and and it's okay if it if it doesn't happen like day one, but like just start to rewrite the narrative again, you know? And um I think when you do a lot of growth like I have in these in these particularly this year, I've I've I think I've changed and grown tremendously and in, in, in a lot of good ways. But with that has come also some things into the fold, which have maybe been a little bit like, I don't know. It's like, it's the grief, right? It's kind of the detachment from the old self, the death of that ego into this new, this new version of me, or maybe it's even a, a, a layer down on the onion to something a little more true, but it's also like, okay, um, you know, one of the struggles I've had is I've, I've, uh, I've I've had a few events with people that have been somewhat I would say maybe a bit negative where I've had some hurtful experiences with some people and I think the tendency when you get hurt is you know at least I know this for me is like I can start to go oh, people are shitty you know you got to be careful you got to whatever and so something that I've been trying to work out a little bit is like oh, you know some people are shitty some people you really got to be careful with but some people are amazing some people are really supportive and awesome and encouraging and you know what I think like what I'm walking away from in this conversation is like, I'm going to have that tape. I'm going to relook at that tape a little bit, you know, decipher this a little bit more where it's like, you know, be, be selective, like look for the qualities in these people that you want to bring in and look for the qualities that you want to be away from and be active about bringing in the people that you want to bring in and, and removing yourself or those people literally from your life that you don't want to be around. And it's not a thing of like, you're bad, you're good or whatever. It's more just guide yourself in the territory that you want to be. Because, uh, you know, with spending some time alone, my kind of, and, and breaking down this ego and rebuilding, it's, I've come to that point of like, okay, I've been alone for a bit. Now I'm ready to reconnect with my, my tribes, my communities and and whatever. And it's like, for a while, I felt like there was no tribe for me. There was no community. I just felt really, really alone. And like, maybe I've just, I'm just alone and whatever. And I've come to realize it's like, no, my tribe, my people, they're all out there. It's just that as I change, I begin to understand a little bit more about who I want to be involved with and who I want to connect with and what that looks like. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't want to be too cryptic. So I'll just say like, you know, maybe if it was a little bit more success driven, material driven, you know, um, status driven before now it's, it's more driven on things like harmony and peace and love. And those are more higher values. So my filtering for what a good tribe member is in my life has changed. And so it doesn't mean that the people I was hanging out with are not they were aligned with maybe what I wanted, but maybe I wasn't valuing something that was actually more important to me. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, all I'll say is this for my wrap up, Evan, is just that don't be scared to go alone for a little while. I think it's healthy. I think it's good. I think it's a part of your journey. I think it's necessary, but at some point just simply decide, okay, I'm going to go back now anew 
and I'm going to go back and I'm going to, and I'm, and I'll bring anyone back into my life or I'll go back to anyone who still fits and I'll move anyone out who doesn't. And I'll find the new people who I want to bring into the fold and they'll find you because you are now more who you truly want to be, but it maybe took going away to find that. Hmm. Yeah, this has been a, a really interesting conversation. And, and for me, I'm definitely walking away with it with um, a lot of just very sort of useful perspectives uh, for myself in terms of just uh, the way in which I, I treat myself, talk to myself and in, in, in which I'm in which I am with myself, like any conversation as well, that is a reminder of like, look, you're not alone. Like, like, no, you're never alone. Nobody's ever alone. Even in, you know, the, the, the most challenging moments where, you know, we have, are living with a, a tremendous amount of grief. Um, there are other people who are, who are going through something very similar as you. And while only you can, can really, uh, make peace with it, it doesn't, mean that you are alone truly and really you're not um and it's in those periods of grief again where there can be such tremendous growth there can be such tremendous growth in those periods where because there's usually something um you know like as we were talking about like last week or in our last podcast that is um you know, where there's the stuff about you that is no longer true or was never true for you, but you were living this way. You were living an image of, of this thing that was not a true image of you. Um, so, yeah, I think that always have, remind yourself that you're not alone and give yourself place for solitude, you know, rather than, than sort of just living with this, this feeling of, of I'm alone, know that you're not alone, but give yourself time of solitude, go for a walk in the woods or <laughs> a walk down the beach or, you know, go sit on a park bench somewhere or whatever is is there for you. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be you disappearing off, you know, <laughs> into the, into the wilderness somewhere. Like we can find that solitude almost anywhere, you know, um, we can create those conditions to have that so that we can, we can really hear the, the, the true authentic voice that, that we have, the thing that's trying to speak to us, the, you know, the true part of ourself or, or the emotion that, that needs to have its, have its place and its space, um, to be acknowledged and heard. And we can come back into the world with those things that we find, with those things that we learn for ourselves and really learn, you know, you, you've brought up this thing of 99%, you know, some people can help you 99% of the way and that last 1% can be just as big as the 99%, right? And you can come away with that 1% and you can, you can put that into your art or you can share that with another person who is going through 
something similar or something something difficult or you can you know you can put you can name it in whatever way you can you can name it through your experience and you give us a gift through that way because you you've expressed something real not something that's just some idea something real that you lived and there can be an aloneness in that i think sometimes where the courage to to say that thing that you that you found because sometimes saying that thing is not always necessarily the most uh maybe polite thing to do i suppose or the most comfortable thing to do because there's a vulnerability to it but in having the courage to speak it i think that more often than not you at least create the opportunity for someone to have that moment that we were talking about at the beginning where you go oh my god thank you thank you for saying that thing thank you for 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 expressing the thing that I couldn't express. You can be part of that catharsis by finding that balance between the solitude and how we're never alone. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.